right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where it should probably come as no surprise to anyone that Rob Palinka loves to get all his groceries at Trader Joe's. But when it comes to how Palinka likes to get all his talent as the president of basketball operations for the Lakers, it's more like Trader Woes or Trader Knows. Am I right? <laughs> No. Anyways, I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. And if you've been itching for some juicy Lakers trade action in the midst of the team's current four-day hiatus, well, make sure to put some aloe vera gel on your skin because you're going to be itching for a while. But hey, that's what we're here for, to help you scratch that trade itch with some updated trade hypothetical talk involving Kendrick Nunn. So that's what we'll be talking about today. Oh yeah, hey Tommy. Hi. How you doing? Good. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, anyways, well, as I said, today's episode will be a standalone episode that will focus on lower-end Kendrick Nunn for ex-big man trades. So we won't be talking about the 3-10 and 10 Lakers and the impending debuts of Dennis Schroeder and Thomas Bryant. Much welcome additions because we need all the help we can get. So consider this episode a nice interim counter-programming episode set aside from all the madness going on in the NBA as the Lakers look to claw their way back to mediocrity out of this little break. But before we get to the Kendrick Nunn trade talk, I will add some timely and relevant content to this episode by giving you one interesting Lakers team stat of the day and two interesting Lakers player stats of the day. So Tommy, sit tight for a second and let me give the audience our interesting Lakers stat of the day. So today's interesting Lakers stat of the day is provided to us by Daniel Starkind. You can find him on Twitter at at D-S-T-A-R-K-N-D, at D-Starkind. And the other day, he threw out an interesting stat that kind of tells the tale of the Lakers season by quarter. And so when it comes to the Lakers' second quarters of games this year, they rank first with a... 20.0 net rating, a 20 net rating in the second quarter of games. That is when they have gone on their biggest runs. That's when they lock down on their opponents and they're able to actually find some offensive rhythm in transition. And that's when you see all those like 24 to four runs in the second quarter. So they rank first in the NBA in net rating in the second quarters of games this year. Now, unfortunately, you probably know where I'm going here. When it comes to third quarters, the Lakers have a minus 19.3 net rating, which ranks worst in the NBA. Surprise, surprise. So they have a 20 net rating in the second quarters of games, and then they have a minus 19.3 net rating in the third quarters of games, and it's a complete opposite flip. And so clearly the Lakers have a third quarter problem that they need to continue to work on. I don't know what Darvin Ham's telling them in the locker room, but clearly third quarters this season have once again been the Lakers' Achilles heel. So I just thought that was an interesting stat. That is your interesting Lakers stat of the day. Now, I also have two interesting Lakers player stats of the day. So the first one I want to give you pertains to Lonnie Walker. So currently, Lonnie Walker leads the Lakers in three-pointers made per game at 1.8. He also has the most total threes made on the roster despite missing two games with 20 made threes on the season. 
Now, in his last six games, Lonnie Walker is shooting 16 of 29 from three. That is 55% from three, hitting 2.6 threes a game. He has been on a scorching run from the outside these last six games. Um, he started off the season four of 27, 15% from three. But since then, he has rebounded tremendously and is now shooting 35% from three, and he is really in a good rhythm right now from the outside. So Lonnie Walker the fourth, more like Lonnie Walker the three-point shooter. So all we're asking for from Lonnie is continued consistency, and we hope he can keep this momentum from the outside going. All right, so my last interesting Lakers player stat of the day comes to us from at NBA underscore university on Twitter. And for this stat, I want to talk about contested rebounding because Anthony Davis ranks number two in the league in contested rebound percentage at 59.7% with 80 contested rebounds. Number one is rookie Jalen Duran with 59.8% contested rebounds, which is really impressive for a rookie. But Anthony Davis is number two in the league in contested rebound percentage at 59.7% with 80 contested rebounds, which means when it comes to fighting off one or two or one or three other members of the opposing team for rebounds, AD comes away with the ball almost 60% of the time. So AD is really putting in the effort to crash the glass and fight for rebounds this year, even with the already immense amount of defensive burden put on his shoulders. So far, he's averaging 11.2 rebounds on the season. The last time he averaged double-digit rebounds was in 2018-19, almost four years ago. So it's great to see him literally rebound back into big man crashing the glass form. Obviously, he also had a very tremendous and dominant game versus KD and the Nets on Sunday where he had like 17 rebounds. But all in all, I bring this stat up just to show just how much AD has been scrapping and fighting and how he actually has been giving the effort, regardless of how loafing and slow he may look, regardless of how many back pulls he has within a game, and regardless of how much fans continue to ask of him, AD is doing his job. He could still use a little bit of help. And that is why today we are going to be talking about getting AD some big man help. Even in spite of the fact that, yes, Thomas Bryant is coming, but obviously we saw Thomas Bryant in the preseason and he didn't look too hot. So for this episode, we are going to be talking about Kendrick Nunn for X big man trades. These are all going to be lower end trades because as you all know, Kendrick Nunn's trade value is in the tank, although I think he will rebound at some point. This is where we're at. So let's get on with the rest of our show. So given that, I mean, this is going to sound futile, this exercise is probably going to feel futile to a lot of Lakers fans, but I'm going to do it anyways, out of due diligence. But given the Lakers' self-imposed rubric of trying to improve their team without including any first-rounders and also without taking on any long-term salary, let's take a look at some low-end stopgap trades for some cheap big men and maybe some forwards too using... Kendrick Nunn, maybe some seconds, maybe Pat Bev, maybe Max Christie, we'll see. But I guess before I get started, Tommy, what's more of a priority for you? I guess I kind of buried the lead here, or I'm kind of leading you on in some senses. But I guess just speaking from your own personal opinion, what's more of a priority for you for the Lakers? Getting a wing slash forward like we've been trying to do these last two or three years or two years since we let Kuzma go, uh, Kuzma and KCP? or getting a more competent big man, given what you've seen from this year's roster? I think actually for me, it's getting a more competent big man. Why? 
two reasons. The one reason is AD is completely getting run down playing the five, and this just he's not going to make it this season. He's barely made it through eleven games, right, or however many games. So mm-hmm. like he is is getting run down already. That's that's the big one. The secondary reason is like when he's off the floor, we must be like one of the worst. I mean, we're already not great defensively, but we must be like bottom five defensively when he's off the floor. So yeah, we just need more size. We're getting killed on the glass. Um, three guard lineups can work. They can work if you have size up front. We Three guard lineups don't work when your bigs are like LeBron and Wendy and Gabriel. So, you know, I, I think I would lean that way for now. Great. Well, we're on the same page. So with that said, here are some low-end big man stop gaps using none, some seconds, maybe Pat Bev, maybe Max as the primary pieces. I'm not going to get bogged down with the salary cap minutia on these or whether the other team would do it or not. Let's just hypothetically say both teams agree. This is more about the exercise of trying to find the right templates of cheap players that could be available on the market. So you ready for this? Hell yeah. Okay. Number one. None in a second for Nas Reed and Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Reed is 23 years old. He's making $2 million this year. Unrestricted free agent next year. 6'9", spacing forward. He's a hustle energy guy who can sort of space. He's a little undersized, though, so that could be a concern. But he's a career 34% three-point shooter, hitting almost one a game. In his best season, he averaged 11-5 and with Minnesota in 2020-21 in just 19 minutes. Does that move you at all? Not really. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is it because he's 6'9", or you want more of like a bruising type? Or I think I want more of a bruising type. Okay. So the spacing works with Nazarene. I actually like his skill set. I feel like if we had a better competent roster, he could sort of end up being the sort of spacing version of Montrez Harrell. But yeah, I think I'd take Nazarene if we also had the legitimate setter as well. Um, okay. How about... Kendrick Nunn and a second for, and you've heard this trade before, but I'm just reiterating it now. Kendrick Nunn and a second for the Wizards' Daniel Gafford plus Vernon Carey and Taj Gibson to make the salaries work. Now, Daniel Gafford is the former number 38th pick of the Chicago Bulls in the 2019 draft. He's only 24 years old, 6'11", with a 7'2 wingspan. He's athletic. He's an athletic shot-blocking machine, so kind of envision sort of like a poorer end prime version of DeAndre Jordan or JaVale McGee. In 2020-21, he averaged 10 points, 5.6 rebounds, 1.8 blocks on 68% from the field in just 17 minutes for Washington. And then Vernon Carey and Todd are just salary cap throw-ins to make the numbers work. Though Vernon Carey has some upside entry given that he was the 32nd pick in the 2020 draft, and he was a versatile spacing big from Duke, 6'10", 7-foot wingspan. He averaged 18 points, 8 rebounds, 1.6 blocks for Duke in his one year with them, and was also named ACC Freshman of the Year First Team Honors, although he hasn't really done anything yet in the NBA. Really, this package is about getting a Daniel Gafford. Your thoughts? I like that package. I like the idea of Gafford because, I don't know, I I feel like Gafford gives us that little, like, explosive... Like, he has the size, but he also has some explosiveness off the floor. Um... Mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of what I was hoping Damian Jones would sort of fill that role this season, yeah. and he just has not. Um, so, you know, it seems like Gafford is a little bit getting – I mean, he plays, but maybe, you know, he's not playing big minutes with Washington, and maybe he could, they could afford to dump him. Um, I think that trade kind of makes sense, actually, um, and, and I would be on board with something something more like that. 
Yeah, I totally agree. The only problem is right now, Washington, the reason why he's getting phased out is because Washington starts Chris Stapps at center. And, you know, Chris Stapps isn't the most glowing sign of health either. So who yeah. knows? They probably need him as uh, as insurance regardless. But yeah, if they were willing to do that and get like a second or something, actually, they actually need some point guard help because Monte Morris isn't cutting it for them. So I feel like Kendrick Nunn, if he can continue to improve his play, may actually be serviceable to them and they can get some draft compensation as well. But yeah, I, I also like Daniel Gafford. He'd be probably <clears throat> the most ideal for me. Um, number three, Kendrick Nunn, couple seconds, maybe Max Christie for Gogo Batadze and O'Shea Brissett from the Indiana Pacers. So we're not getting Miles Turner, but we're no. going to get like four rungs worse just because we don't want to give up first round picks. Okay. So Goga is the Pacers former number 18th pick in 2019. He's 23 years old, makes $4 million this year. Next year, he has a qualifying offer of $6 million to become a restricted free agent. But he is a 6'11 center with a 7'2 wingspan, big, strong body, can kind of shoot from the outside if open, but he's not like a prolific spacer. And then you got O'Shea Brissett, who's 24 years old, 6'7 wing, who, we, who we've talked about ad nauseum during the summer since there was a chance that Indiana could have made him a free agent since they had a team option on him. They ended up picking that up. He shot 42% from three on 1.6 makes in 2020-21 in 21 games. And then he shot 35% from three on 1.2 makes last year through 67 games. He will be an unrestricted free agent next year. He's athletic. He's lanky. um, He's got some shooting upside. I thought he was going to be a big part of the Pacers' future, but I guess with Benedict Matherin, Kumon Matherin Reading Center, lighting up the league, um, (laughs) they haven't really needed him, so he may be expendable on their end. But your thoughts on Gogo Batadze and O'Shea Brissett, if the Pacers would do it? I don't know a ton about Goga. Um, I mean, from what you described, it sounds like that's something we need. You know, I I do like actually O'Shea Brissett, though. He's one guy we talked about in the offseason with the with the Turner and Heald trades as like being a third guy to to sort of add to the deal. And we thought that, you know, it seemed unlikely they would add him. He's pretty young and looked decent last year. But given their kind of this is absurd. We're saying this about the Pacers when you look at our roster, but given the depth that the Pacers have, <laughs> you know, especially with their guards and and sort of wings, you know, guards and who can be wings and then wings, you know, O'Shea seems like he's been sort of phased out of the rotation. Um, and so, you know, I think he could, he would definitely do well here. Um, we have a huge need for that type of player. Yeah, I agree. I think the the gem here is probably O'Shea Brissett and Goga because he was a former late lotto, late first round pick. There may be some upside to mine there. He's kind of like Zubats-ish, actually. And I mean, it's crazy that Zubats is leading the league in blocks right now. But anyways. All right. So let's take it to a mini break here. And when we return, more lower end big man trade hypotheticals. All right. So we are back and before we continue to go down my big man trade list, if we could please remind you guys to take a minute out of your day to shoot us a five-star Apple podcast rating and review, that would be tremendous. And if you could also take 30 seconds out of your day, even less than a minute, to search us out on Spotify and click the five-star button on the top of our page, we would love you guys forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so let's keep going with these crazy hypothetical big man trades, yeah? Okay, so for this next one, none and a second for... Alex Len and Shemezi met two of the Sacramento Kings. Now, Len is 29 years old already, but he is 7'2". He's not as athletic or explosive as a Damian Jones, but he has more skill and maybe more fundamentally grounded. 
He can also obviously space better. His best season was with Atlanta in 2018-19 when he shot 36% from three, hitting one a game through 77 games. And then Metu is a former USC Trojan. Fight on. He's a versatile forward with potential. He's only 25 years old, 6'9 with a 7 6'9 with a 6'11 wingspan. I feel like he's the more fully realized, skilled version of Wenyan Gabriel. Um, he averaged 9.6 rebounds last year, hitting um, hitting a three a game. Or sorry, I think he shot 30% a game, 31% from three, making one a game. And he's sort of been phased out of the rotation with the Sacramento Kings this year because of Keegan Murray still having to service Harrison Barnes, stuff like that. Um, but what are your thoughts on this lower end deal of Alex Len, stopgap, and then a better version of Wenyan Gabriel and Chemezi Metu? Yeah, I like the idea of just adding multiple pieces. At this point, we just need big bodies. You know what I mean? So it's like play two centers next to each other. I don't care. The spacing is already all screwed up on this roster anyway. So, you know, I like the idea of just adding more depth. Metu, I haven't really followed since he was drafted. I mean, you mentioned he's SC, right? So coming out of the draft, I was definitely following him. Um, I was interested in him as a prospect. It seems like he went to the Spurs and sort of floated and didn't really accomplish much there. So I don't know how much upside he has uh, still, but I liked him as a draft prospect. And then Len is just like a big, fat, annoying guy um, <laughs> who can just beat everybody up. So, Yeah, um, I guess accompaniment to this. What about the upgraded version of this deal with the same Sacramento Kings? We add Pat Bev and we get back Rashawn Holmes, Chemezi Metu, and then Terrence Davis. Now, Rashawn had some legal troubles last year, something about beating up his kids, so I don't know how that would play out. Oh but anyways, if we're just looking at things from the basketball end of the spectrum, he is the more established big. He is 29 years old, actually, which is surprising. And he's under contract till 2024-25 with a player option of $12 million that year. So it's already a question whether the Lakers would take his contract on, but because his contract extends to that point, I feel like you could almost, I feel like the Kings would just give him away. Maybe we get a second round pick, you know? Um, but yeah, Rashawn Holmes, Chimazi Metsu, and then Terrence Davis. Terrence Davis has a pretty good shooting profile, actually, even though the percentages haven't necessarily backed things up. He's a six foot four sort of shooting guard slash wing. He shot 39% from three his first year with Toronto. And then when he was traded to the Kings a year later, he averaged 11 points and 37% from three, hitting two a game in 2020-21. So do you like that upgraded version instead where we add Pat Bev and get Rashawn Holmes, Chemezi Metsu, and Terrence Davis? Yeah, I mean, Rashawn Holmes is would be just such a massive upgrade for our team. Um so I would definitely do that. I don't know. Does that you think that's like a realistic thing that the Kings would do, I guess? They're not they're not playing him at all. Okay. And as I mentioned, he's on for like the next two years. Is it a realistic thing for the Lakers to do is the question. Yeah. That's putting true. twelve million dollars, you know, on their cap books for the next two two or three years. Yeah. Right? So. I mean it's like I guess, you know, Mike Brown comes in with like his own ways that he wants to run the team, but the last couple of years Rashawn Holmes I mean it's like the contract he got was probably unjustified to some degree, but he's an NBA player. Mm. Um, you know, he, even for a center, he shoots 75% from the free throw line. He, he's not just a dunker. He has like a little bit of a floater game. I mean, he's had some like absurd stat games granted they're for like non-playoff, non-serious contender teams and like in the Kings, but you know, he gets his blocks, um, 
He's actually had some seasons where he, you know, he was creeping up on one steal. He fouls a lot. I guess that's like one thing that's kind of annoying about him. But I don't know. I, I just feel like for us, he would be a pretty, pretty big upgrade. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And the reason why he sort of had a very uneven season last year and didn't play a lot is because of his legal troubles. And so just to confirm, you do not condone beating your child, right? No, I do not. And I actually don't know the specifics. So I'm kind of talking out of turn here, but that's just, I, that's, I know that's the case he was dealing with. But in terms of basketball, yes, Rashawn Holmes, Chemezi Metu, and Terrence Davis would be huge upgrades. We'll probably still have to give some sort of pick compensation. And I think Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn would actually help that team, even though it seems like they're pretty guard heavy right now with Fox, Herder, Malik Monk, and shoot, who is that guard, that defensive guard that they drafted last year his name escapes me but they have like a smaller guard who like locks people up or something yeah davion david mitchell there you go yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um but yeah i like rashawn holmes okay i'll go quickly through these last three because they're on the older end of the spectrum but i think they still do a good job of being a stopgap none for 28 year old willie hernan gomez and Najee Marshall, just to make the salaries work, Willie is making 2.4 this year, 2.5 next year. He was the Eurobasket MVP this past summer, 17 points and 7 rebounds. His brother Juancho was the Eurobasket Finals MVP. He was Juancho. also in <laughs> He was also in Hustle. Um, Najee's thrown in here for salary matching purposes. Six foot six forward from the 2020 draft, known as a scorer and bucket getter. But it's mainly about getting a bruiser and Willie Hernan Gomez, who in all, for all intents and purposes, is like Zubats to me. Your thoughts on Willie? Um, Willie is another guy who I feel like when he came in with the Knicks, right? Is that who he was like yes. first draft? I feel like he got off to a really strong start. I believe this was like during the Phil Jackson era, um, where Phil Jackson was like super high on this guy. Um and it, you know, it seemed like he was maybe going to do some interesting things, but then sort of fell off the face of the, the map. So I honestly, on this one, I kind of defer to you because I, I just haven't really been following him too much. So Willie Ger- Honer, Willie Hor- Horny, <laughs> Willie Horny Gomez, <laughs> Willie style. <laughs> so Free Willie is Free just Willie. a really big, strong body who's also semi-skilled. Honestly, I that's why I describe. I, I use Zubats to describe him, but his thing is he just rebounds the hell out of the ball, and I think you just need someone who can do that next to Anthony Davis, right? Just do all of the dirty work while not being sort of this loaf who has low basketball IQ. And when you're a guy who's the Eurobasket Finals MVP, I don't feel like Damian Jones could win the Eurobasket final, Eurobasket MVP tournament, right? So, yeah. um, so I like Willie Hernan Gomez if we can get him because he's on such a cheap price too. 2.4 this year, 2.5 next year. So if we can do that um, and the Pelicans would help us out for some reason, that'd be great. Okay, my last two, and I'll just list them both out for you. Kendrick Nunn, maybe Damian Jones, Wenyan Gabriel for Nerlens Noel, who, believe it or not, is still only 28 years old. He's making $9 million this year, club option of $9 million next year. So he's essentially an expiring contract. Maybe you add Pat Bev to the deal and get Alec Burks back and expand it. But for the most part, it's none for Nerlens Noel. And then none Dame Wenyan for Mason Plumley. So Plums mm. is 32 years yeah. old, but he has always been a very solid, big, tough, strong body. 
Good passer for a big man. Very good rebounder. He is like your new age version of Timofey Mozgov, which I know doesn't elicit great feelings from Lakers fans, but in this case, we kind of need a Timofey Mozgov. <laughs> um, so he's a clear stopgap, but he is an expiring $8 million this year. So your thoughts on Nerlens and Mason Plumley? Nerlens, I've always liked. I mean, since he was drafted by Philadelphia, and obviously he had the injury issues coming in. He's had some seasons throughout his career where he's been sort of banged up. But two seasons ago with New York, you know, playing in uh, with uh, Tibbs in his first season, he averaged, you know, 5.6 boards in 24 minutes. Most importantly for me, 2.2 blocks in that time, which I think is like great. I'm not sure that he gives you much offensively. I have no idea if he can still move his feet. The, one of the big things about him when he was younger was he was pretty good moving his feet on the perimeter, which, mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to pay a center in the NBA nowadays, they have to be able to do that. Um, he's clutch. Uh, I think, is he Kentucky? I can't remember. He might he's have Kentucky. like, yep. so, you know, he might have like the AD sign off um, in that respect. And so what did you say? Did you, sorry. Did you say his contract situation? Yeah, he's $9 million this year, club option $9 million next year. So in some senses, you have control yeah. over him whether you want to or not. Yeah, yeah. Him. And it gives you like a nice trial period to sort of see how it goes with him playing next to AD this year before you decide to pick up the option. So I think I would do that. On the Plumleys, I just... I've never, <laughs> I, I've never been any into any of the Plumleys. There's five um, of them. <laughs> yeah, there's like so many of them. I get confused by which one's which, and um, I feel like Mitch was famous for chasing Plumleys, and I'm just like not into the Plumleys anymore. So, gotcha. Yeah, I actually think I would take both. My main concern with Nerlens is pretty much what you said about him being run down and whether he still has the the speed in his feet, but also. Next to AD, he's kind of rail thin too. I just don't know if he'd hold up against actual big, big men. You know, he blocks the shots and everything like that, but he's almost like this Chris Boucher type who, yeah, he's a great help defender, but can his body actually hold up when he has to bruise against Nurkic and Nikola Jokic? You know, I feel like AD would still end up taking that assignment. So in, in some sense, it's like, well, that's when you stick a Mason Plumlee on those guys because he can handle them better, but... Honestly, the Lakers are in such a deficit at this position that I would take any of these guys. I know that's not an exciting answer, but yeah. And also, I guess I'll also just throw this out there because I know the Dallas Mavericks are currently struggling with some primary initiating and primary scoring at the guard spot because they only have Luka and Spencer Dinwiddie, and maybe they could use a rehabilitated Kendrick Nunn. Uh, I've seen some people throw out maybe getting back JaVale McGee, and that's one player that I would not want back because one, I think that's selling extremely low on Kendrick Nunn. Two, the Lakers wouldn't take JaVale McGee back because he has $5 million on his contract next year. And then he has a $6 million player option the year after that. So in 24-25, when he's like 37 years old. So the Lakers will not be taking on JaVale McGee's salary, especially at the age he's at now. Um, the big men that I am interested in in the Dallas Mavericks are Maxi Kleber, first and foremost, but he just signed an extension with the Mavericks that will make that will give him $11 million over the next three years after this one. So he's on, he's on the books till 2026. So while I like Maxi Kleber's template as a player, in terms of being this Larry Nance sort of athletic big man who can also space the floor. Unfortunately, his contract situation is just not going to work for the Lakers. And honestly, even for me. Um, 
and then that leaves Dwight Powell. Now, can you get Dwight Powell for Kendrick Nunn plus three other minimums? Because he's currently making $11 million expiring this year. And in order to make the salaries match, you would need to include three other dudes to a Kendrick Nunn package or use Patrick Beverly. So one, I don't know if the Dallas Mavericks, I don't think the Dallas Mavericks would be willing to give up Dwight Powell. And then two, the logistics of how that trade would work um, seem kind of dicey. So that's why I kind of rule out the Dallas Mavericks and why I didn't include JaVale McGee in here as an option. So yeah. Okay. Well, with that said, that is my low bargain bin um, cheap bigs that the Lakers could potentially look at if they don't want to trade Russell Westbrook, they don't want to trade any firsts, and they try and utilize none and whatever ancillary pieces they have at their disposal. So, Tommy, thanks for joining me. And yeah, that's it. Thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs>